Today, we're excited to bring you a rebroadcast of one of our most popular interviews with Lorna Simcox, editor-in-chief of Israel My Glory magazine. Lorna shares her journey on how, as a Jewish woman, she came to put her faith in Jesus as her Messiah. Whether you're hearing today's program for the first time or you're a faithful listener, we're sure you'll enjoy the great truths in this episode once more. FOIRadio.org is where you can learn more about our program and the ministry of the Friends of Israel. Make sure you're among the many people taking advantage of our offer for a free one-year subscription to our newly redesigned magazine, Israel My Glory. Visit FOIRadio.org. Welcome to the program. This is the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. We are delighted to have Editor-in-Chief of Israel My Glory, Lorna Simcox, on the program. We had a great response to Lorna's interview a few weeks back, and today she joins our host and teacher, Chris Katolka, once again. Today we will learn about how Lorna came to know the saving grace of our Savior. In our short segment, Chris brings us a devotional that was featured on the FOI blog. We are more than conquerors. Romans 8 will be our text. And later, we'll hear Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Holocaust survivor and believer in Jesus, Svi Kalisher. Stay with us. Hi, folks. Welcome to the program. Today, I am joined by a colleague at the Friends of Israel, uh, Larna Simcox. Larna is the editor-in-chief of Israel My Glory. And for some of you that are listening, you have been receiving Israel My Glory for years, maybe even decades, and have been blessed by that ministry. And for maybe some of you that aren't familiar with Israel My Glory, um, I want to encourage you to go to our website, foiradio.org, and you can simply sign up and uh, receive a year free of Israel My Glory. And today, I asked Lorna to come by the way, Lorna, hello. Hi. <laughs> I asked Lorna to come into the studio because I wanted her to share uh, her personal story. Lorna is a Jewish believer. This means that she has put her personal trust and faith in the Lord Jesus as her Messiah. And she has an amazing story. It's actually a documented story of how she came to faith in Jesus. So, Lorna, Tell us a little bit about your journey uh, in coming to know the Lord Jesus. Where did, where did it all begin? Well, it really all began when I got married. Um, my husband was a believer, and his mother was a very devout Christian. And I saw something in her life that I knew I didn't have. I had gone to Hebrew school. I graduated from Hebrew high school. I did just about everything you can do in the synagogue. And I was you know, a member of Young Judea and United Synagogue Youth. But one thing I saw that she had was a very personal relationship with God. She talked about him as though he were there, right there with her. And I had never seen anything like that before. And that was when I started reviewing everything I knew about God. And she was also as sure of heaven as though she had already been there. (laughs) And I had no assurance at all (laughs) that my sins had been forgiven and that I was going to go to heaven. And that's what started me on my search. Can you you use the word review? Um, Tell us a little bit about your background, because I feel like the word review helps to fill in some of the dots there. I'd be happy to. 
I knew the Old Testament, and I knew the Levitical system, and I knew that God demanded that when you sinned, for most sins anyway, you had to bring an animal that was without blemish and without spot to the temple in Jerusalem, and you had to lay your hand on the animal's head, and you were symbolically transferring your sin to the sin to this this clean animal, and then the priest would slay the animal and put the blood on the altar. And number one, I knew I had no animal to sacrifice, and I knew I had no temple to sacrifice it in. So I understood the concept of sacrifice and the need for it, and I started reviewing all of the things, you know, you, you don't have to be a murderer to be a sinner. You don't have to commit a huge sin. All you have to do is sin. <laughs> and sin is you're doing something God himself wouldn't do. Anytime you do something that God himself would not do, because God is completely holy, completely righteous, completely perfect, and if you do anything that falls short of that, you're a sinner. So in watching my mother-in-law, who had complete assurance that her sins were forgiven, I began to see myself I began to see myself as a sinner and I began to go through all the things I'd ever done in my life. I had no guarantee that God had forgiven me of them. Mm-hmm. And that's when I I remember one time I asked my husband, I said, "You know, I don't understand how God could be a man. How could Jesus be God? And my husband said, I can believe that a lot quicker than I can believe that a mortal man parted the Red Sea. And I knew (laughs) that God had used Moses to part the Red Sea. So then I started thinking about it, and I thought, you know, if God is God, he can do anything he wants. If he wanted to come to earth as a man and die for everyone's sin, take everyone's sin upon him like the blameless animal took, you know, takes sin. Yeah. Who's going to tell him, no, you can't do that? Yeah. And then I didn't know what was true anymore. And then I was tormented <laughs> <laughs> because I knew if I was wrong, I was in big trouble. So your mother-in-law had this profound impact on her. And it was just simply the way she lived yes. her life Yes. as a, as a believer in yes. Jesus. And she has this profound impact on you. So when does it all kind of come to a place where you say, you know what, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus as the Messiah? I was so tormented, begging God to show me the truth, that I had a Jewish friend, my best friend, and I call, and she had already come to faith. And I called her up. She was lived in California, and I she had read lots and lots of books and all that. And I said, Nancy, I can't read lots and lots of books. I have to know now. I have to know now because I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. I needed to know. And she said, well, the one book I read that helped me the most was The Liberation of Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Hmm. I got that book, and in it, I read that if the blood of bulls and goats were capable of actually removing sin, why would you have to do it? over and over and over again. And that's, of course, he was explaining the book of Hebrews. And he said that Jesus was once for all. He was the final. Those were just a stopgap measure until the final perfect sacrifice would come. And that's when I knew it was true. I just knew 
right then and there. And that's such an amazing passage because it says not only, uh, you know, talking about the fact that the blood of bulls and goats only covered for sins, that now the blood of Christ has cleansed, cleansed us of us our sins. completely. And it cleanses us in our conscience. And, you know, it seemed like one of the things that you were wrestling with the most was peace. Yes. Were you able, when you finally came to that place, was there this peace that Yes. Came? It was, I can't explain it. It was clearly supernatural. You know, there's a supernatural transaction that takes place when a person receives the Lord. Mm -hmm. Your sin is placed on Christ, and Christ's righteousness is placed on you. We can't see it happen, but all of a sudden, that happens. Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you, and you become spiritually alive. And it was like a giant light went off. Everything looked different to me. The whole world looked different once I understood. I I clearly accepted that, and I realized that my sin was forgiven. And, of course, that's when I knew that I was going to dwell in the house of the Lord hmm. forever. But until then, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, when you become a believer as a Jewish person, I've talked to many Jewish people who say, the moment I believed, I, I still didn't have that confidence to walk into a church, you know, to see the cross, to see these symbols that I was often told, you know, you know, never to identify with. I could understand that. Did you have that or were you able to, you know, walk into a church and feel welcomed well, and things like that? Well, my husband, of course, was Baptist. So uh, I was very pleased when I discovered that— uh, there weren't crucifixes. There weren't things that I had grown up with being feeling uncomfortable about. The church didn't have that, so I didn't confront that. But it's very difficult for Jewish people, and I understand that completely when it comes to the cross because so many horrible things, I mean horrible, were done to us in the name of Christ with the sign of the cross. Mm -hmm. And uh, as most people probably, I don't know, most people don't realize, but my husband, my first husband passed away when I was 33 years old and I had barely been saved two years. So I had to put a marker at his grave. And even then I could not put a cross on the marker. And though I love the song, The Old Rugged Cross, it's one of my absolute favorites. Yes. But that is a difficult thing for Jewish people, and I completely understand that. What did that do when your first husband passed? I mean, 33 is so young, Lorna. What did that do to your faith? I mean, I feel like that could have it been a make it or break it. It actually strengthened my faith. It did. Because I learned the great love that God has for widows. I was 33 with a three-year-old daughter. Hmm. And... Uh, I learned that if you bring everything to the Lord, everything, the Lord will show you exactly what he wants you to do. Now, what I love the most is seeing how God used your gifts for the church. Your gifts are editing and writing, and you have a history of that. Can you talk a little about that? Well, when I was uh, 17 years old and I, w I started working at I'm from Vermont, Burlington, Vermont, and I started working at the local newspaper, which in those days was, I don't know the state today, but it was the largest newspaper in the state of Vermont. 
And I just worked all the way through college. And by the time I graduated from college, I was a reporter. And then by the time I was 25, I was the city editor. So I had a background in journalism, and I was trained in that. So the Lord has been very gracious in allowing me to use all the training that he gave me for him now through the Friends of Israel. And at the Friends of Israel, we are beyond blessed to have Lorna as our editor-in-chief of Israel My Glory. Lorna, thank you so much for being on on our program today. Thank you. The story on how you became a believer in Jesus is the most powerful tool you have to communicate the gospel to a lost and broken world. And every believer has their own personal story. And that's why I want to introduce you to the story of Lorna Simcox, a Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lorna tells her story of how she came to know Jesus as her Messiah in The Search, a poignant and timely message of one Jewish woman's ardent quest to find answers about faith, God, and life after death. Order your copy of The Search at foiradio.org or call 888-343-6940. And for our radio listeners, enter the discount promo code SEARCH and receive a 30% discount when you check out. That's foiradio.org or 888-343-6940. I was watching a YouTube clip not too long ago. Uh, The Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings were both playing great basketball. uh, And they were fighting back and forth for the big win. Then the Grizzlies made a shot that surely gave them the game, affording them a one-point advantage over the Kings. Grizzlies 98 and the Kings 97, with only one and a half seconds left on the clock. And the crowd definitely thought the game was over. But that's when Tariq Evans wasted no time. With only a second and a half left, he fought to run the ball to center court. He jumped, took the shot at the buzzer, and as the basketball seemed to hang in the balance until it hit the net, swoosh, the Kings won. It was a magical shot right at the end of the game by Evans. And really the entire arena was up on their feet cheering the winning team in their most glorious victory. It was really amazing to see. The final score was Kings 100, Grizzlies 98. We live for those triumphant moments. You know, they forces us up on our feet. We love seeing teams rise for the win. We love seeing glorious victories. And Paul says in Romans 8:37 that despite all the hardship pain and suffering in this world, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul uses a Greek word here to overemphasize the idea of winning like an Olympic athlete who dominates the competition and just completely leaves them in the dust. I really like the way the New English translation puts this verse, translates this verse, No, in all these things, we have complete victory. Essentially, Paul is saying, there's no competition, we win. 
Ironically, though, Paul writes this verse of victory in the middle of a chapter that reminds us that there's still a fight that we are battling between the things of God and the things of this world. But that in the midst of it, in the midst of the struggle, nothing at all can remove us from the love of Christ. The struggle is real, my friends. Jesus didn't lie to us. Being a Christian today and even in the days of Paul was never supposed to be painless, uncomplicated, trouble-free, or even simple. Jesus didn't call us to live simple lives as Christians. Instead, he called us to live a life of conformity, conformity into his image, which is completely opposite of the system that drives our world today. Just a few verses earlier, Paul reminds us that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in Romans 8, 29. That means as we live life by the Spirit of God, that God is changing us daily and molding us to the image of his son. So even as we continue to fight living the simple life, to try to be different, to conform into his image, Paul reminds us that right now as we fight, we've already won. We are more than conquerors. How is that possible? I love what the text says, through him who loved us. Even though we fight to be more like Christ in a culture that demands us to be more like them and to accept their ways and what they consider to be truth, we have already won by the love of Christ. Paul's use of the word love is written in a way to explain Jesus's forever unchanging love. It's a love that goes on and on. It's not just one act of Jesus' love from the past. It's his love and grace that is working today to make us champions for him. So today, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling tired, beaten down, and like you're just plain losing, remember, you are a conqueror in Christ because of his never-ending love and all that he's done for you. And then look at your life and ask yourself, in what ways do I need to look more like Jesus and less like the world? This is a great reminder, my friends, that we are more than conquerors. How? Through him who loved us. We want you to be encouraged in the Lord. So be sure to visit foiradio.org where we have devotional blogs like the one you just heard today that highlight verses throughout the scripture. All that and more can be found at foiradio.org. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, my glory. While Sfi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Sfi. This year we are celebrating 50 years since Israel's 
Declaration of Independence in 1948. I emigrated to Israel after passing through the horrors of the Holocaust in Europe. I came here hoping to make a new life for myself after losing my entire family in Hitler's gas chambers. But only days after I arrived in Israel, eight Arab countries attacked us. We were thrust into a new holocaust, a new destruction. Our enemies thought that they would win because of our small number. They came against us with millions of men and the best weapons, but they failed. At that time, I did not know the Lord. Then one day I was given a Bible. I read the account in 1 Samuel 17 of King David's victory over the Philistine hero Goliath. I then realized that just as the Lord fought David's battle, the Lord fought for Israel against the Arabs. As Psalm 124 verses 2 and 3 says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. Many Israelis think our own strength defeated our enemies in 1948, but we never could have defeated our enemies in our own strength. A few weeks ago, some high school students asked me about the War of Independence. They had received a homework assignment requiring them to interview a veteran of that war. One asked, How could such a small nation make such a great victory? I answered by reading Deuteronomy 7, verses 17 and 18. If you should say in your heart, These nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. I told them, we did not win this victory alone. The Lord fought for us then, just as he does now. Finally, we came to the subject of faith. One asked, why do you speak so much about the Bible? I said, it's impossible to speak about war without reading in God's word about the great things the Lord has done for us. Without the Lord's help, King David who was only a child at the time, could not have fought a beast like Goliath. But what did David say to him? You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today we also stand before our numerous enemies. If you do not say in your report that the Lord was on our side, he will be lying. Each of the young students then asked for a Bible. I pray the Lord will open their eyes to the truth, and they will see him as the great defender of his people Israel. Fifty years have passed since I came to Israel, and the Lord has protected me through many battles. But most importantly, he saved my soul and has given me the great privilege of being his servant here in his holy land. The dramatic reading you just heard is taken from a feature you can read in our bi-monthly magazine, Israel My Glory. 
If you enjoy this feature, be sure to sign up for a free trial subscription when you visit foiradio.org. You can also sign up when you call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, you can call 888-343-6940. You can also write to us at FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey 08099. Thanks again to our guest, Lorna Simcox, for joining us today. You can purchase her autobiography at our website, foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallion. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold. And our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.